Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm Fazia Costi. I am an executive function coach here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And I help people improve their cognitive skills. I help people who have been diagnosed with either autism, ADHD, or dyslexia, or anxiety. I help them improve things like their problem-solving skills, their organizational skills, time management skills. And I help, it, I help them do those things in a very creative way. And throughout the show, I try to include individuals who also help others improve their executive function skills. And today we have a wonderful guest by the name of Kim Eldridge, and she helps people improve their executive function skills by writing books. She is your story pathfinder, a new new frontier publisher, and a best-selling book strategist. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Fozzie. It's absolutely my pleasure to be joining you on this lovely Wednesday morning. It is beautiful out, isn't it? Yeah. For those of you who are not in Arizona, we've had some interesting weather, but today is actually beautiful. Um, I would love to start by having you talk a little bit about your background. What makes you qualified to help somebody write a best-selling book? Absolutely, Fazia. Thank you so much for asking that question. First off, I've been doing this uh, a while. You know, I, I would always get frustrated when somebody who's like, oh, I can help you do this, so I can coach you to do that. And they've either never done it or they've done it once. So I actually have a degree in creative writing from the University of Arizona, right here in, uh, in Arizona, in Tucson. But I've been spending the last, gosh, I think we're at eight or nine years now really helping people to finally write their books. I concentrate exclusively on people who are looking to write nonfiction books. Myself, I have just over 20 titles with my own name on the cover published, including a book that hit number four on the Amazon bestseller list, not in some genre, but actually out of all of the paid Amazon books that they have. So when I say that I'm your best-selling book strategist, story pathfinder, and new frontier publisher, that isn't uh, like, oh, look, I'll, I'll just pick some catchy titles. I've really been doing this for a while and love helping people to really be able to bring their message to the world using a book. That's amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about the titles of the books that you've written? What, what are the topics? Absolutely. So my personal background and what led me to this was actually for outdoor recreation. So the vast majority of my personal titles are about how to go camping, how to go fishing, how to go geocaching. And uh, one of my really, one of my favorite books is called Scary and Silly Campfire Stories. And it's a collection of campfire stories. One of my personal goals was always to get people excited about the outdoors and to foster a love of reading. Through writing and publishing these books, however, I kept being approached by person after person after person who kept 
asking me, what was I doing? Could I help them? And I have to tell you, Fazia, for the longest time, I resisted. I was like, oh, no, 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 I, I, I don't do that. You, you can just go figure this out on your own or, you know, it's, it's just writing. It's not rocket science. And then I realized that I actually had a gift to be able to help people, not just to uncover their message, but also to learn how to tell their story and share their knowledge in a way that was impactful for them and impactful for their readers. And since I had this gift, well, then I really had an obligation to help people do what I do and to be able to finally write their books so that they can share their messages. I love it. I love the fact that it comes so easy to you and that you thought that other people could figure that out on their own. Uh, I think that's really interesting because, as you know now, they, they couldn't. If they could, they would have. If, if we could all figure out how to be on the number one sellers list, we, we would be there by now. So we, we definitely need your skill set. We definitely need your gift. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we know how, So how is it that you actually sit down with somebody and finally get them to write their books? What are the steps that you take? So, you know, Fazia, I think that there um, are a couple of myths that float around when it comes to being able to write your book. And when you subscribe to either or both of these myths, this is where you really get stuck. So the first myth is, oh, all you have to do is grab your pen or grab your keyboard and start writing. I have this burst of inspiration. Let's get going. And, you know, the challenge with that is that inspiration wears off. And then you have all of what I call mental monsters coming in. And so when you, if you've attempted to write a book, don't be beating yourself up if you've gotten a few paragraphs, a few pages, maybe even as many as 30 pages, and you've stalled out again and again and again. So that's, that's the first myth is that people think, oh, I just need to sit down and write my book. The second myth that, uh, that really trips people up is um, this idea that they have to do it alone or that they have to suffer. Um, there's this, it's a myth that's very much perpetuated by Hollywood about the pain of being a starving artist and, and writers fall into that. And you must have writer's block. And if this is complicated, then you're doing it right. And so when you put these two things together, we're really, unfortunately, setting all of ourselves up for failure. And so the very first thing that I do when I work with my clients, with coming back to your original question, it's not about sitting down and putting the words on the paper. You need to know what your message is. Now, message, Fazia, is not marketing speak. Right. It is not uh, your catchphrase. It's not your tagline. It's not your expert title. And heaven help us all, it is not your elevator pitch. Message is how you want to connect to your reader. Heart to heart, soul to soul. I describe it this way. It's 
you're, you're being called to write your book, to share your story because you've had something happen. That doesn't have to be something traumatic. It's something that you're passionate about, however. And the person that you're trying to reach desperately wants this information. They have also had something happen. And it's the feeling of sitting down next to them on the couch, holding their hand, sharing a favorite beverage, maybe even passing them a Kleenex, holding their hand and saying, it's okay. I got you. I'm going to help you get through this. And when we start writing our book from that place, that makes all the difference. It's un- so the first step that I do with my, with my clients is uncovering their message and getting their head out of the way. Absolutely. So could you give us an example with one of your books? Let's talk about one of the titles that you, that you personally have written and tell us what the book is about and what the message is. Sure. So we're going to pick on what I call my camping book. And it's called Pitch Your Tent, A Family's Guide to Tent Camping. I had recently graduated from college. And and this is how I discovered message and a lot of my own personal message. So I recently graduated from college. I'm an only child. And my parents invited me to go camping. Now, I think my parents are absolutely the bee's knees. And they said the magic word, camping. So, of course, I was like, of course, I'm going to go camping. Of course, I want to hang out with you. I'm in my early 20s, and I'm like, this sounds like the best thing ever. So we're up camping in Flagstaff, Arizona. And for you listeners, and and it's October. So for you listeners (laughs) who are not based here in Arizona, Flagstaff is about 7,000 feet. And October means cold. Not mountains of snow on the ground cold, but definitely dipping down into freezing temperatures every night. And we're in a campground. And we hear this commotion after dark. We don't think much of it, but banging car doors, yelling voices. And I just remember kind of looking sideways at my dad going like, don't these people know that like you should be quiet after dark? (laughs) So we go to bed and when we get up the next morning, I'm out walking the dog and in the campsite next to Aspasia, there's an air mattress on the ground. And on one side of the air mattress, there are three little heads. And on the other side, there are three little poking out feet. There is no tent. There is an air mattress with people on it and a blanket. And as I'm watching, the back seat of this little gray sedan opens up and an adult climbs out. Turns out, okay, so I'm walking the dog. I I go back to my campsite. And pretty soon there's more yelling coming from over there and copious amounts of smoke, but no fire. So about this time, my dad and I are like, okay, we, we better go see what's going on over here. Cause this is like, this is not right. We're right. at a campground, remember? So we wander over and we find a single mom who's trying to make a campfire. And those three little heads on the air mattress were her 13-year-old son. It was his birthday, his best friend, and her younger daughter, maybe about 11. 
They had driven up from Phoenix to Flagstaff to go camping for this young man's birthday. And the tent that they had borrowed, they were unable to set it up. I don't know if they just didn't know how or if it was broken or I don't know what it was. So the kids slept outside in the elements all night. She slept in the car. They're trying to make a campfire and they're putting pine needles on it. If y'all know anything about pine needles, (laughs) this just doesn't work. And she's made oatmeal. Finally, once we help them get the campfire started. The next thing I know, there's more yelling, throwing stuff in the car, and they're screaming down the mountain, heading back to Phoenix. And here I am as a young adult, looking at my parents, thinking about what a different camping experience I had. Absolutely. And thinking about what a miserable experience this mom had. She wanted to give her son a birthday gift. And he's 13. He might have had a good time, but she didn't. These people will never camp again. And I'm telling you guys this whole story to circle back to message. Because I just remember standing there after they had vacated their campsite thinking, This is such a shame. The outdoors is where we can create such powerful family memories, things that take you through your entire life. And if I had been there when she was packing her car, I could have helped them have a safe, happy, positive camping experience. And that was the impetus for why I wrote that specific camping book. But coming back to my message, it was my ability to sit down with this single mom who's, I don't even think we ever got her name, but being able to sit down with her and say, it's okay, I got this. You want to be that rock star mom who takes your kids camping all by yourself? Let me help you do that. You don't have to suffer. This doesn't have to be scary or cold or painful. And you certainly don't have to give up after one night. And that feeling, and I tell this story regularly, Fazia, like this feeling is what I want to help my authors be able to tap into for themselves and then bring forward on the page. That's awesome. I wonder if that woman has ever seen your book. Maybe she has a copy somewhere along the line. Maybe that copy got to her and she's still camping. I'd like to think that that's true. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that's, that's my whole goal. You know, and when we write books, we don't have any control over if the book we're writing for the person we're writing it for makes it into their hands. But every time I got stuck writing that book or questioned, why am I doing this? Because I was working full time in my dad's tax office while I was writing this book. I just remembered the look of defeat on her face. And that was enough to draw me forward and keep me going. Because remember, that burst of inspiration, it wears off. Right. Your message lasts forever. That's amazing. So once you get that message, what's the next step? So this is really where the practicality of writing your book comes in. Message is your heart. Now we need to loop in your head. And this is where we gasp, outline 
your book. Now, when I say outline, most people like run for the hills because we have flashbacks of middle school or high school and bad, bad with cap with a capital B, (laughs) right? Like we say outline and we're like, oh God, not not the outline. (laughs) But really what we're doing at this stage, Fazia, is we're simply deciding what goes in the book and what doesn't. And for those teaching points that we want to put into our book or into your memoir, they need to be supported with what stories are you going to tell? So case in point, for everybody who's listening today, you're going to get off of this interview and you may or may not remember the steps that I'm giving you to write your book. You'll Let me put it this way. You'll only remember them if you have written them down. So, you know, if you're not writing, this is your like little hint. But what you will remember is my camping story. You'll remember the other stories that I will tell you throughout the course of our time together today, Fazia. And when you include stories in your book, this is your opportunity to make your reader feel. So telling effective stories is the third step to writing your book. Notice you've not actually written yet. And when you learn how to tell these effective stories, it means that your reader is connecting to you on that emotional level. I am not saying, pay very close attention, I am not saying that you need to make them cry (laughs) or that you need to make them bust out in peals of laughter. Dude, it is hard to write comedy. It's much easier to be funny any other way than on the written work, on the written page. But I'm not saying that you have to make them be on the floor sobbing or screwed into the ceiling laughing. What we need to do is move your reader off of the center line with emotion. Because I don't know if you've ever been in network marketing, Fazia. No. Okay. So network marketing has this really wonderful catchphrase. And, And I sold legal plans. So it was nothing sexy, but they had this wonderful catchphrase that say, facts tell, but stories sell. And what we're really doing, what we're really selling, quote unquote, in our book, isn't our program or our worksheet or our opt-in to our email list or our thing. What we're really selling for our reader is the steps that they can take to improve their life. It does not mean you have to fix every aspect of their life or every aspect of their pain or be the be all end all to your topic. But when you include these stories, these are the things that your readers will remember. So they won't remember your acronym. Like Fazia, in your work, do you have an acronym for one of your processes or your systems that you help people with? Um. No, I don't use acronyms in my work. Yay! I avoid them as much as I can. Oh, that makes me so happy. Okay, so I had this mentor who used this. Her system was called a dance system. And it was like a small subsystem of other big systems. But I just remember this this acronym and, and the worksheet with her little dancing feet. Fazia, I don't remember when to apply the dance system. 
But you remember the dance system. <laughs> but I don't remember what any of the steps were. I think perhaps C might have been celebrate. But I do not know when to use this, what I was supposed to celebrate. I remember those little tiny feet moving. And so this is all to say, you know, when we're writing our nonfiction books and when we're sharing our, our what we do, our processes, people don't remember the nitty gritties of your system. They do not remember your acronyms. Kudos for you for not using any. Well, I, I do work with people who have memory issues, so I try to avoid them. See, like, and I'm not saying that acronyms are bad. I'm not saying that if you have one in your, in your book, in your business, in, in your life to go out and throw it out. What I'm telling you is that your reader won't remember them because this isn't school. What they will remember is how you make them feel. And I'm sure, Mm -hmm. Fazia, when you're working with your clients, you have a goal for how to make them feel. Yes. My goal is to make them feel successful, confident, good about themselves. And so when we take those feelings and we dig even deeper into them, like feeling good about yourself, what does that mean? How does that feel in your body? Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's important to feel good about who you are. It's important to feel good about the things you can do. So absolutely, self-esteem, confidence are, are critical in my field. And so maybe that feels warm. Like when I'm thinking, oh, I'm feeling good about myself. I totally nailed something in adulting. <laughs> in motherhood, in business, like my chest feels warm. Mm -hmm. Like I just curled up with my favorite cup of tea that's the exact right temperature. And these are the types of feelings that through story we can invoke on the page. But the challenges, even like here when I put Fazia on the the stand and she didn't even know it was coming, popped her right there on the hot seat. (laughs) You didn't come back with a feeling. You came back with more synonyms. True. And so when I said that, you know, there's there's this myth of you have to write your book alone and you have to suffer. Why? Why do you have to do that? Wouldn't this be so much easier with somebody who could guide you through this process? Just like Fazia, the wonderful people that you work with, They've probably tried it on their own before now, haven't they? Probably, yes. And they're coming to you because they're ready to be successful. They're ready for that help. Exactly. If they were successful on their own, they wouldn't be coming to see me. Bingo. And I think that getting coaching and mentorship and support is really what we need for so much of what we want to do in our lives. We don't have to do it alone. Absolutely. So why would somebody want to write a book? Excellent question. There's lots of different answers to this and none of them are wrong. I take that back. There's one that's wrong. There's one that's wrong. So if you're thinking, oh, oh, book. Yes, yes, that's for me. Here's where you know if a book book is not for you. If at any point you say, I should write a book, 
and you bring in that heaviness. And that comes in when somebody's telling, when somebody's been forcing you, like, it's time for you to write your book, you need to go do this. And it's invoking in yourself these feelings of, yeah, I think I'd rather scrub the toilet, take out the trash, vacuum <laughs> cat vomit. <laughs> okay. So the reasons why you should write a book are because you want to share this message. 100% of the people who write books with me want to help people. You should write a book if you're ready to claim your expert status. And writing a book feels good. Don't say I want to claim my expert status and writing a book feels heavy. There are other ways to claim your ability to be an expert than writing a book. Like having a radio show like this. There are definitely other ways. So you should write a book if this feels exciting to you, if it feels juicy. And don't freak out because you don't know how. Like that, that has nothing to do with if now is your time. You can learn how. You can absolutely learn how. And one of the things, since I, since I do work exclusively with nonfiction and people who want to share their message, oftentimes they are in business and they are looking for a different way to be able to take their message and get it into the hands of people who need it. Because let's face it, we have great reach through what we do on our email list, on our podcasts, on our radio shows, on social media. But none of us can have the reach that Amazon brings us. Books are definitely not going away. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think they have a phenomenal reach. And they they stick around, you know. Exactly. Oh my gosh, I was just going to say that. They have such a lovely shelf life. It isn't something that is, you know, here today, around for a week, and then gone. Yes, I have books. I have books all over the place. And some of them are 20, 30, or 40, 50 years old. And and I still go back and look at them. And they're still relevant to exactly. your lives and to other people's lives. Absolutely. Yeah, I love books. I think they're phenomenal. Absolutely. So we have uh, a couple minutes before we take our break. Uh, I just wanted to ask you what, what, let's talk about one more thing before we go on break. What, what is the right time to write a book? So the right time to write a book is when you are harnessing that feeling of inspiration and you really are like, yep, this is the moment. If anything about writing the book is heavy, if it's feeling, um, and this isn't once you're in the writing, this is the, I'm, I'm having the idea of writing. As long as that is feeling powerful and juicy and exciting, then this is the right moment to get started. Okay. Much like planting a tree, the best time to have written a book was not today, was before, The second best time is now. Let's get started. Let's do it. The world needs your message. And the longer you delay, the more painful it can become inside of you. And the harsher it is for the person who desperately needs you to keep them waiting. 
to keep them in pain, to keep them suffering, when you and your specific message and your specific voice can solve that pain for them. Wow. Well, for all the listeners, I'd like to say this is Kim Eldred. She is an amazing author. And when we come back from our break, um, feel free to call in if you have any questions. But when we come back from break, she's going to talk a little bit more about how she helps individuals become the best version of themselves through writing books. I'm Fazia Costi. I'm an executive function coach here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And I help people improve their cognitive skills. I help people who have been diagnosed with autism, anxiety, or just plain memory issues improve their executive function skills. If you'd like to reach out to me, my phone number is 480-648-1122. And we'll be back after these messages to talk more with Kim. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fazia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Fazia works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to learn how to remember your future? Introducing a brand new listening experience. The Whole in One, Life Stories of Love, Wisdom, and Truth with your host and guide, Sheila E. Hirine from Ireland. Join Sheila on this amazing journey of discovery as she interviews a menagerie of specially selected guests to help you to change the narrative of your life. It only takes one day to change your life. Tune in to Whole and One with Sheila E. Hirine every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on your Voice America Empowerment Channel and learn how to tell yourself that different story. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-888. 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking to Kim Eldridge, New Frontier publisher, 
your story pathfinder and best-selling book strategist who's had more than 20 books under her name herself. Welcome back, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you about all the wonderful things that you do for your um, for your clients. Um, before we get started on some of the questions that I have to ask you, I would love to have you give out your information so that if anyone's interested in reaching out to you, they have that contact information. Feel free to go ahead and do that. Absolutely. So the best way to get a hold of me is to go to my website, which is newfrontierbooks.com. And when you do that, you are able to get a free gift from me, which is five mental monsters that keep you from writing your book. So you just go to newfrontierbooks.com and that gift will be available for you. Thank you so much. So there you go. You can get a hold of Kim and maybe have her help you write your next book. That would be amazing. I would love to see that happen for you. All right, Kim, um, how, do you, how do you keep a book interesting? Can we talk a little bit about that? Because not every book is interesting. And, and I've read quite a few books, so I know they're not all interesting. <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? Okay, so this is like one of my soapboxes, Fazia. I call it, don't be boring. <laughs> and the right? Okay, don't be boring. So what happens is, as the expert... We have this natural inclination to be me, Sage, on the stage, you, little person in the audience. And the problem is that when, when we are the expert and we're trying to talk to a beginner or somebody who simply knows less than we do, we tend to fall back on highfalutin language. How many $5 words can we trot out? How can we sound professional and educated and like we have PhDs and maybe you have a PhD, but here's the, here's the challenge. That type of language is usually in direct conflict with message. Exactly. So years ago, I wrote, I was a copywriter for one of the biggest copywriters in what we call the expert industry. And so I was the hidden writer behind her brand. Cool. It was good money. I didn't mind. And one of these projects was something with HR writing to the C-suite. So CEO, COO, CFO, name your C. And so I'm writing on behalf of this client whom I've never met, I've never spoken to. And these people in the C-suites, the, the message that came down to me was that I needed to use all these $5 words, this very complicated language. So, I mean, hello, I've got a degree in creative writing. I can totally do this. And I trotted out my most complicated sentence structures the biggest, most complicated words I could find and the client ate it up. But I remember talking to my editor, Fazia. Her name was Megan, I called her Awesome Megan. And I said, Megan, I have a, I have a confession. And she's like, uh-oh, what's, what's that? And I said, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I have no clue what I'm actually saying. 
it had partly it was because I don't deal in that industry, but partly it was these words are so complicated. And when we're writing our books, we want to sound authentic. We want to really be ourselves. And everybody puts out that buzzword of, you know, authenticity and vulnerability. And what does that really mean? I really call it very much the isms. So you have Fazia isms. These are the things that you say in your life and they should appear in your writing. I have Kim isms. One of mine is going, dude, are you serious? <laughs> it doesn't always translate well to the page, but I'm not complicated. I am not an onion. I do not have layers. I am a banana. What you see is what you get. A little bit of a thick skin, but all mush on the inside. So when we're, when we're writing these books and we don't want to be boring, get over the sage on the stage and talk to your reader like you love them. Tell them stories so they can connect with you, with your material. You know, books have the power to change lives. They have the power to save lives. But not if people don't keep turning pages. When I was in high school, Fazia, my parents decided that I was kind of turning into a jerk. And they decided that I had to read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this was very, very, very painful for me because I was a teenager and was a jerk, but didn't think I was a jerk. I was not allowed to read any recreational reading novels until I had finished this book. Suddenly I had been assigned a book as punishment where I'm the type of reader that I can't help but read things like signs, stereo instructions, manuals. If you hand it to me and it has words, I will read it. And Fazia, I was so mad at my parents, but mostly at Dale. Because <laughs> once I actually started reading How to Win Friends and Influence People, that man told me stories. And one of the things that I still remember to this day, decades later, is his story about why it's important to know somebody's name and use it. And it, I'll, I'll give you like the real brief story that he told. And it's okay if I'm butchering it. I, I just, just listen to me. It's, it's okay if I'm butchering it because the message of the story got inside of me and became something important. And I'm sure he has like three reasons why you should use somebody's name and the quote unquote acronym version. But what it really was is this salesman who was assigned a curmudgeon grumpy guy that he had to go and call on. He had no choice, but the curmudgeon grumpy guy never bought. And so the salesman was like, well, he's not going to buy from me, but at least I can make his day. And this curmudgeon guy was an immigrant, and he had this incredibly complicated name that everybody had shortened without his permission to something simple like Nick. <laughs> and so the, the salesman knocks on this guy's door and he opens the door and the salesman says, good morning, Mr. Super crazy, complicated first name, super crazy, complicated last name. How are you today? And in, in my head, it's always good morning, Mr. 
Nicodemus Dudududufugabluck Stephanopoulos Grumpanux. Like crazy <laughs> long, all of these syllables. And in my head, it's always Greek. I don't know if it was Greek in the book. Well, Greeks have long last names. <laughs> they do. <laughs> the story Fazio was this old grumpy old man who never bought stood there and the tears welled up in his eyes. And he told the salesman, in my 20 years of being in this country, nobody has ever bothered to learn my name. Come wow. in, let me buy from you. <laughs> and so I tell this story because that was a story that got inside of me in a difficult time in my life. I was a teenager, enough said. And that, there's a couple of others in his book that they got inside of me and they changed me. And so when you're writing your book, imagine with all the wisdom that you could impart, how would your readers' lives change if you gave them just one or two stories that they butcher on live radio, but it comes into their soul and it makes them realize something that's important, like the sound of somebody's name. Absolutely impactful. So don't be boring in your books. This is how you don't be boring. You tell stories. You tell stories. I love it. I love it. So speaking of stories, when you write your books, do your readers ever send you notes or tell you about how your books have impacted their lives? Yes. Would you mind sharing some of that? Okay. So you have to remember that I write, most of my canon is outdoor recreation. And I have my three beloved Scary and Silly Campfire stories. And, And there's three volumes of them. So I'm sitting here in my small town, this is years and years and years ago, and I'm having ice cream with my then boyfriend, now husband, at McDonald's. And this little girl walks up to me and she says, you're Mrs. Eldridge's daughter. You're the book lady. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. And she says, last year as a fourth grader, I read your book, your campfire book. And Ms. Eldridge, I really liked it. It made me realize I liked reading. And this year, as a fifth grader, I've read a million words in the Million Word Reading Challenge. Wow, that's impactful. So here was this little kid who, as a fourth grader, really didn't like reading until she picked up my book. She liked how I told my stories. They're just goofy campfire stories. Half are scary, half are not. And she realized that she loved reading. And then the next year, she went on to read over a million words in the school in the school year. And so every time I kind of wonder if I have any impact personally, I think about this little girl and realize what doors would have opened to her just because she discovered a love of reading. Absolutely. You changed her life. She read a million words the next year. Yeah. Who knows what she did after that? Right? And I think that's one of the beautiful things about books is that we write them to change a life. Like my my camping book that I wanted to reach that, that single mom. Don't know if I ever reached her, 
but you don't know who you reach. You don't know that beautiful ripple effect that you can have in the world. Absolutely. And I just think that's beautiful. It is. Absolutely. I agree with you. Can you talk a little bit about some of the, um, since we talk about best-selling books, can you talk a little bit about some of the best-selling books that you've helped others write? You bet. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that, especially since today is March 24th, because a year ago today, a client of mine, Nancy Whitman Klotz, and I launched her book that I helped her write. It's called Women Supporting Women, Redefining Friendship, Tribe, and Community. And Nancy came to me uh, through a speaking gig, and she said, I want to write this book about how women can create communities and how they can support each other. And that's all I know. (laughs) That was all she knew at the time. And so I mentored her through the book writing process. We published it and then we launched it a year ago today on Amazon. Wow. And Fazia, this book skyrocketed to onto the bestseller lists in like three or four different categories. And Nancy is a, um, a yoga teacher by profession and wanted to add this book into her yoga practices. Nice. But because of all of the online work that we had done for her book launch, when you know what happened, you know when last year, she was able to pivot to being able to offer her, her clients uh, yoga classes online. Another one of my clients is Rochelle Seltzer. And she wrote a book Uh, Live Big, A Manifesto for a Creative Life. And after we did her book launch, it was January 30th of 2020. Because of the momentum that was created by her book, she has been helping women all across the country be able to tap into what really lights them up, sets sets them on fire, brings them joy. And has been running workshops, both virtual and in person, for the last year. Wow. And I know, right? So another one of my clients, his name is Douglas Gentile, just finished, uh, well, it's been it's been a minute. We wrote a book, I helped, I coached him to write his book, and uh, he is in negotiations right now with a traditional publisher. It's one of the big five publishers to have his book come out. And that one is in the uh, Buddhist space. And the interesting thing about Doug, and he has a very formal, he's a Buddhist monk, and he has a very formal Buddhist monk name. That, since I cannot pronounce, I am not going to butcher it for him. But yeah, hello, ding, ding, ding. I need to go learn how to say this. So the next time he's on a call with me, I can come back at him with this. Use my own... Uh, My own life lesson from Dale Carnegie. Exactly. (laughs) But the amazing thing about Doug was when he came to me for mentoring and I helped him to write this book, he had written it twice before and had shopped it to various publishers and they kept coming back saying, interesting premise, too scientific, interesting premise, boring, (laughs) Or the, the writing wasn't engaging, I should say. Interesting premise, but can you make this more approachable? Doug is a PhD. 
he's a brilliant man, but he's also very kind-hearted. However, all of his soul wasn't making it to the page. So with working with Doug, we actually were able to create that on the page. And now he's in negotiations with a, a traditional big five publisher to have that published. That's amazing. This is why I do what I do. Another one of my clients, Chris, had been attempting her book for like three years when she met me. And she thre- we were at a live event. She thrusts two pages at me. That was all she had managed to write in three years over and over and over. And she was really angry. And she's like, I don't even know if you can help me, but I have to see. So I read her a couple of pages and I came to her and I said, you know, Chris, you, I, I can see how much you care. I've just spent three days with you, but none of that caring is reaching this page. And for Chris, very specifically, we had to alter how she wrote in order to tap into her message, in order to share her heart on the page. For Chris, very specifically, she couldn't type. If she, if she tried to write her book directly in the computer, she got angry and frustrated. And it was like she was talking to her colleagues and her stories fell apart and her tone fell apart and everything fell apart, Fazio. So I took away her keyboard and I gave her a piece of paper and pencil. And I said, I think you need to write longhand. And so she did her first draft of her book that way. Wow. And by breaking that, the brain cycle that said that if you're writing on the computer, you're, she was a, a leader in what she did in, in her company. I don't know how much she wants me to share. So I'm going to kind of be vague here. And so she had all these subordinates, but she was a trainer and kind of her job as being this leadership was dealing with her subordinates when they kind of got sideways. So it made sense that she was always kind of angry in her typed writing, angry and brief, because that's what she had to write professionally. But her book, while it tied into her professional life, was not written for her colleagues. It was written for parents. Interesting. Yeah. And her book is called um, When Your Child Discloses Sexual Abuse, a Step-by-Step Guide for Parents. So, I mean, like, this is a heavy topic. It's a parent's worst nightmare. Absolutely. And we needed to work together to have it be approachable and loving. And here's what you really do. And so we, we got to discover how Chris needed to do that so she could write. And that was longhand. Wow. So when you help your clients reach this goal of writing a book, do they ever come back to you and when they're done and they've reached this best-selling book status? That, do they ever come back to you and say, I, I want to do this again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Doug right now is a repeat. He's a, he's a repeat client of mine right now because we're working on a completely different book. Okay. One of my goals, however, Fazia, is to teach my students, teach my authors my process so that they go from not knowing how to write a book to knowing how and successfully having done it. So while I love to have repeat coaching clients, I love to mentor them through their next book, I am not a perpetual coaching factory. 
there are coaches out there that are like, oh yeah, every time you want to do this, you have to give me more money. And I want to empower my students to be able to do this on their own once they understand the full system. That being said, when they come back to me, I'm like, of course, I want to write with you again. You are awesome. And I will say that the vast majority of my clients have more than one book in them. And so once they have this process, they can go on to successfully write the other books that are on their heart that they are called to write. That's amazing. Well, once again, I I just really enjoyed our conversation today. And I really want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day. And I know you're very busy to come onto the show and, and share your expertise with, (laughs) with our listeners. I, I really just enjoyed this. This was so much fun. So, um, I would once again like to have you share your contact information so that if any of the listeners would like to get in touch with you, maybe to write their next bestseller book, um, they can do that. So go, please go ahead and give that information. Thank you so much, Fazia. So the best way to get a hold of me is to go to newfrontierbooks.com. And when you're there, I'm going to give you five mental monsters that keep you from writing your book. And these are the five mental monsters. Good news, there are actually only five. It will help you identify which one is keeping you stuck and what to do about it. So just go to newfrontierbooks.com so you can get that. And if you want to actually work with Kim, you can also do that through her website as well. Um, I, I just think this has been an amazing experience. I love the way you share your stories with our listeners and And within that, you intertwine your expertise. And and I just, I I really had a blast talking to you today. For those of you um, who would like to get in contact with Kim, feel feel free to do so. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email is fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can also reach me at 480-648-1122. And I work with individuals who have executive function challenges, and clearly um, Kim helps individuals who have some executive function challenges, but her primary focus is to help them write their books. So if you're looking for executive function coaching, please give me a call. And um, is there anything that you would like to share at the last minute here, Kim? The last thing that I'd like to leave our listeners with today, Fazia is to know that your message matters. So it's important to share it. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with you on that. So your message matters. Feel free to share it um, with anybody that you feel it would be helpful to. And from Kim's perspective, writing it in a book is probably the best way to share it. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Books are awesome. Yeah. So thanks again, Kim. We had Kim Eldridge from New Frontier Publisher and Your Story Pathfinder, as well as Beth's best-selling book strategist with over 20 books under her belt. So we look forward to seeing you or having you on the show next week. Have a wonderful week and um, take care. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Until we talk again, have a great week.